The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So listener discretion is advised. of Little Nerdy. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm your co-host, Owen. And today we are doing a Fun Fun Fact Fact Friday. Friday. Alright, so yeah, as everyone knows, our friend uh, Black White Check did the intro and outro music. Yes, their info will be in our show notes. Alright, so what uh, are we looking at today? What's some fun facts that people might not know about? I don't know if these are fun facts as much as like dark facts. (laughs) Oh, we're getting a little dark and creepy on these things. Yeah. All right, well, show me what you got. All right. And I promise, because I know the first one we did sucked. The second one we did was much better because you didn't. But I'm up in the game. Yeah. All right, well, let's see if you brought your A game today. I think I brought my A game, guys. I think you're going to be happy. All right. So... Most of the facts that I got were from, of course, our favorite book. Right? The Mega Book of Useless Information. Yeah. By Noel or Noel. Yeah. Or like Noel. Yeah. Because we say, like, it's spelt N-O-E-L. Yeah, so like Noel. But that's also Noel. Mm. But in Canada, or maybe North America at least, like, Christmas songs that have... Yeah. Noel. It's spelled that way is no are like Noel. Yeah. So it's either Noel or Noel. Uh Botham. So our first fact. Although Howard Hughes had fifteen personal attendants and three doctors on full time duty, he died of neglect and malnutrition caused by his intense desire to be left alone. Oh. Yeah. Uh so wait, sorry, who is that guy? Okay. I'm glad you asked. He was um, a businessman. Okay. A film producer. Mm-hmm. He directed a film, which was 1943 film called Outlaw. But that was the only one he directed. Yeah, when you said uh, he was a film director and he directed a film, it's like, well, kind of goes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aviator. Oh, really? As well. Yes. He was a very famous guy. I'm sure if you were to hear more about him, you would know who he is. Okay. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, I cannot put a picture or a face to the name. Yeah. He also established the Howard Hughes Medical Institute in 1953. He was a casino owner, a planned community owner, um, and the planned community was a place called Summerlin, which was outside of uh, Las Vegas. Okay. Right. And the casinos he owned was in Las Vegas. He actually helped turn... Las Vegas's reputation around from being like a mafia. Ah, uh, the crime den. Yeah, to like not. Right. Now it's the party central. Yeah. 
So he was like super famous, but he was also a huge recluse. Mm. And he actually went into total seclusion in 1950. So these facts, by the way, guys, that I have on top of like the initial fact they got from the book. Yeah. But then I went and searched a little bit on Britannica.com. Okay. And so that's where these facts are coming from. Just kind of like to double down on the information to make sure it's accurate. Well, that and I was just like, I want to know more. You're you're going to ask me things and I need to know the answers for them. You know me being a, uh, a naturally curious person. It's the whole, but why, how, when, who type Exactly, thing. right. What's the five W's? The who, what, when, where, why. Exactly. Um, so in his final years, he moved his residence a lot. Oh. So he moved, like, this isn't an order of where he lived, but Canada, the Bahamas, Nicaragua, Las Vegas... Mexico, and England. And from what I had seen, he spent his last four years of life in the Bahamas. Oh. Yeah. Nice and tropical. Yeah. And every time he moved, he took, like, very careful precautions to make sure that um, absolute privacy was afforded afforded to him and whatnot. He was rarely seen by anyone. And he would work for days without sleeping. And became really emaciated. Oh. And, quote, deranged, unquote. Hmm. Yeah. From his poor diet and excessive use of drugs. And so he died in 1976 on a flight from Mexico to Houston. Oh, okay. So then I also got a few facts from Wikipedia. Yeah. Which we all know to take with a grain of salt, but... You know, I thought, well, a lot of what that said... An additional source would be... Yeah, and, like, a lot of what that said in the article in Wikipedia did, a lot of the facts did match up with, like, what, Britannica? Yeah. Said so, I was like, oh, okay, this seems like it's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, like, Wikipedia is not infallible, but, you know, sometimes the information can be fairly accurate. Yeah, so, um, it said that... The FBI had to use his fingerprints to ID him. Really? Yeah. As he... So he was six foot four. Oh, tall guy. barely weighed 90 pounds. So he was just a skeleton kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he was so unkempt, like his, his hair, his nails, and his beard were yeah. all like pretty long. Mm-hmm. Like even his toenails were too. Looked like that uh, description of uh, father time kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the autopsy reported kidney failure as the cause of his death. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that he had suffered malnutrition and bed sores. So he had bed sores on him as well at the time of his death. And that there were five broken off hyperdermic needles that were found in his arms when they did x-rays on his body. Oh. Yeah, because apparently he was injecting himself with codeine. And back then, it was like a glass syringe, right, with the metal needle. Yeah. And apparently that would break off quite frequently when you were using them. Especially because he wasn't, like, a doctor, right? Yeah, and when you're administering it to yourself, you know, kind of thing, and And your hand might be a little off angle on the out. 
Well, and they would just easily detach to begin with. Like, it wasn't a very good, I mean, needles have come a long way since then, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the first fact. Um, I'm also, I guess, maybe for some of the later on ones, but I am just going to trigger warning. Right? There's going to be talk of, like, sexual assault, rape, oh. abuse, that kind of stuff in some of these facts. You were covering all the fun stuff. Oh, yeah. That's why I dark. <laughs> yeah, dark. That's the word I'm looking to use. But, uh, no, it's just the whole, like, oh. Yeah. Alrighty then. Well, yeah, I'm not really sure what to add on top of that. But, uh, no, the only thing I want to say is, uh, now, I am a guy who loves to sleep in. As you are well aware. Yeah. Now, I cannot imagine how debilitated someone must be to stay in bed long enough to get bed sores. Because I heard yeah. they really hurt. It's really not a fun thing at all. No. And I was like, I mean, I love just laying in bed on a day off. Like, oh, yes, I get to sleep for a few more hours and whatever kind of thing. But, you know, the whole bed sore thing, to me, it's like, oh, that, that feels like you're a prisoner in your own. I think that it sounds like you'd be a prisoner in your own body. Well, and especially at his height, for what he weighed. Like, I can't imagine he had any energy. Right? No. Like, yeah. It's... And and codeine. I mean, codeine is naturally something that makes you sleepy. Right? Oh, that's what it does. Yeah. It was, yeah, like you know. Tylenol 3. If you've ever been prescribed Tylenol 3. You got once or twice. Yeah, for pain or whatever. The, yeah. The... Tylenol-3 is, like, usually caffeine and codeine. So, Tylenol with caffeine and codeine. Okay. And, uh, uh, if you, since you've had it a few times, like, I know I have as well, like, toothaches and whatnot, um, it makes you sleepy, right? Yeah. If you've ever taken it and then you find that you're pretty tired afterwards, kind of fall asleep, sleep pretty for a easily, few hours. Yeah. yeah, that's usually, so codeine also makes you sleepy and codeine is also very addictive right yes i have uh heard the warnings about using tylenol 3 yeah and uh yeah that's one of those things where it's like hmm gotta be really careful with that painkiller stuff yeah. not gonna touch that subject at all just saying that piece right i there. mean it's not an op opioid which is <clears throat> like a whole different ball game but it is still something that's relatively addictive i've known of people getting addicted to the codeine yeah so. And it's, that's not a good thing at all. No. So, all right, uh, let's move on before I put my foot in my, my, foot in my mouth. Uh, I feel like that'd be kind of hard to do, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, I have mean, a knack for it. it is you, so... Um, <laughs> okay, so fact number two, also coming from the book. Charles Darwin cured his snuff habit by keeping his snuff box in the basement and the key for the snuff box in the attic. So wait, are we talking like newbie magazines or something like that? Like, <laughs> No. Snuff, um, so I actually looked up what snuff was on Wikipedia because I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I feel like that's like a drug, right? So actually snuff is a smokeless tobacco. Oh. It's inhaled or snuffed. Okay. That's... And it can be hailed. So you basically, it was dried tobacco, you just like snorted up your nose. Oh, okay. So yeah. it, it was like nicotine in powder form in a way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now that makes more sense because I was just like, I mean, you know, because the first word, like when you first said snuff there and I wasn't picturing like 
some kind of drug substance. I was picturing the adult content where it was like, oh. Which does make I sense. Know some people have an addiction to that stuff. <laughs> well, and it makes sense that you thought that because there are like illegal pornographies out there that are called snuff films, right? So that makes sense that you thought that, but mm-hmm. that the is real not... creepy stuff. Yeah. No, this was a whole different ball game. So it's like, oh, yeah. Charles Darwin, uh, he's a very renowned scientist. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So in doing my research, I also actually ended up finding out that he was an alcoholic as well. So. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Everyone's got problems. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the University Press Scholarship.com. Okay. Is where I got this next little bit of information. Okay. And it was from an article called Darwin's Use of Snuff and Alcohol. Uh, and it was by Ralph. I say his name right. Ralph uh, Culper, medical doctor. (laughs) Mm. And it looks like he was out of Florida. So it said he first formed like a snuff habit when he was attending school in Edinburgh as a teen. But then in May of 1857, he stopped using snuff. Right. Yeah. He was working with some doctors, so that may have been when he did this, right? Which, I just want to add in my own little two cents. That's actually a really... If you're a lazy person, and I know I'm a lazy person. <laughs> like, I'm... I'm not, like, overly lazy, but I'm lazy enough. <laughs> you don't need anything to make you lazier. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, if I had to walk all the way up... To an attic. I don't know what the size of this house was, but let's say, I mean, it has an attic. And a basement. And a basement. So and let's... at least a main floor. So that's three floors, right? Yeah. So you have to walk. Let's say you're on the main floor. So you got to walk all the way up to the attic, grab your keys. Yeah. Then walk all the way down to the basement to get your snuff. I'd be the type of person that would do that once and then leave the damn key next to the friggin' box. <laughs> Guaranteed. Because I'm lazy. Yeah. Right. So that's pretty ingenious of him to be like, I'm, I'm assuming this is his thought process. I'm lazy. If I leave that key up in that attic and that box downstairs, I'm never going to want to go and get it. <laughs> that's just too much work. And especially if he has a bit of a drinking problem and everything, probably stumbling around and... May have forgotten where he put the damn key. Yeah, you know, or it was just like the whole like stumbling upstairs and trying to climb up a ladder because most addicts uh, I can imagine had the whole hatch thing. That wasn't I can, like a... yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Never mind. When you said most addicts, I thought you meant like addicts, not, oh, not attics. No. That At- you, yeah, no, the attics. They have uh, like a ladder to get to them. Yeah. They're not, uh, some might be accessible by like a stairs, depending on, you know, how people want them built. But generally speaking, the regular way of doing it is, you know, you have like a hatch kind of thing. You pull like a string or whatever, like we've seen in some horror movies or whatever. And that's usually based in the U.S. or they're inspired by the U.S. So I can imagine that the structural design of the pull this cord or whatever what kind of thing, and it brings down this ladder yeah. that lets you get up to into the attic to find a key. So it's like he's a little tipsy, to yeah. put it nicely. <laughs> um, you know, I can imagine he's like, I don't have the hand-eye coordination for it. I'm lazy. It just ain't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and going back to what I thought you were going to say, which is 
most addicts. Most addicts get tipsy, like, to the point of at least tipsy when they're drinking. And I was going to say, I can promise you that they at least get to that, since yeah, my mom was an alcoholic, right? So I <laughs> definitely know that, but... um. Hand-eye coordination probably wasn't the best after a little bit of the happy juice. Yeah, <laughs> sure, happy juice, we'll call it that. Um, I've heard many different names for it. I'm just going with the most pleasant one I can think of. That's fair. Um, so, in May of 1857, oh, I already said that, he stopped using it. But, at some point, and this is a quote, at some point, or at some unknown time, he resumed taking snuff, unquote. Mm. And apparently that was until he died. But for a period, he did... He was sober. Yeah, he didn't... He wasn't snuffing the yeah. tobacco, so... Which is good, I yeah. mean, you know. And especially considering uh, back then... Because when was that? When did he die? Um, yeah, it's uh, if I remember correctly, it was uh, 1882, I think was around yeah. the time when he died. And, um, yeah, it's like, even though there might not have been some of the more hardcore drugs that are available nowadays, I can imagine there was definitely a few things that were available that were probably a lot harder drugs than Oh, yeah, stuff. like, I know, just from watching, like, period pieces and stuff. Yeah. Um, opium. Yeah, oh, that was around... Was Something that was, like, around back then. Like, heroin. in the 1500s it might have been around. Oh, yeah. It's been around for a long time. Um, heroin, mm-hmm. I believe, was around back then. A form of it or some kind. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like things have definitely uh, gotten more crazy with a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But Cocaine was around because, co- I mean, I don't know exactly when Coca-Cola <laughs> formed, but they used to have cocaine a long time ago. I heard it was something to do with the coca, like the cocaine leaves or something like that, or whatever yeah, but the case it, was. It was still a form of cocaine in the. Yeah, but the thing was, is I heard like here's the thing I heard about that was, uh, about the Coca Cola company with that, was that the amount of cocaine substance in a single bottle of Coca Cola, you would have to drink so much Coca Cola to get a buzz off of the, for the cocaine. That you would have such a caffeine rush and you would probably come down with diabetes from that much sugar. Well, originally, Coca-Cola, like most soft drinks, were actually medication. So, at one point, there may have been more, but maybe once they turned it into a, like, soft drink beverage rather than a medicine. Yeah. Maybe then they put, like, negligible amounts in. Yeah. Right. Like, something around there. Something. Well, you know what, guys? We'll research it and we'll know it for next Fun fact, fun, Friday. fun fact Friday. Sounds How's that? Good. Sounds good. We'll do uh, one about junk foods and stuff or something. Yeah, a fun one after this one because this one's dark and I'm sorry, but I guess that's where my, my brain was. Such a dark, depressed person. Oh, you? I'm not depressed, just dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Okay. So, number three. This one's not so dark. Oh, good. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> King John. Of England. Okay. Did not sign the Magna Carta in 1215. As he could not write his name. Instead, he placed his seal on it. Oh, so he, uh... What's it called when... Illiterate. Illiterate? I thought that was he couldn't read. 
alright. Well, I guess that makes sense. It kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. But I, th I thought maybe he'd have just like a scribble type thing where it's like, yeah, done kind of thing. I mean, yeah. So, I'm assuming every, like, all the facts that are in no Noel or Noel Gotham's book. Yeah. Are facts that they researched, right? Because you can't put out false things as fact, right? So... Mm -hmm. No now, publicist would probably ever print something like no. that where it's like, you have no proof, you're just making accusations or mm -hmm. kind of thing. Now, we also need to remember that book's old. Yeah. And things in the scholarly land <clears throat> change. Yeah. In history, like, we, I mean, whenever we do an Egyptian episode, <laughs> uh, which I want to do, there is, like, a ton of things that I know even have changed since, like, the last time. Like, the method of how King Tut died has been changed. And, like, Cleopatra and how many siblings and this and that. Like, it's, it changes, right? Like, mm -hmm. because they find more out and stuff. So, I, in doing further research into this, didn't actually find anything that said that he couldn't read and write. But, also remember this was 1215. Yeah. There probably wasn't that great of an education system back then. Yeah, right. probably not for, even, like, for the royalty and everything like that. It well, was... yeah, and the Magna Carta, right, which, in case you didn't know what it was, I looked it up. So, again, I went to Britan Britannica, right? So, the Magna Carta, also known as the Great Charter, mm -hmm. was a document granting liberties by King John to the people. Oh, okay. okay. And it was to, like, the Anglo-Saxon Anglo people. So at this point, this is very, very early in, like, English history, if you will. Yeah. Right. So it is possible that he could not write well in English and stuff because Anglo-Saxons that came, they were, like, German, right? Mm. So it's not his, like, maybe native language, right? Like, I I would have to do far more research than, unfortunately, I had time to do. Yeah. Um, Because working and yeah, all that. But I couldn't find anything that said, that didn't say he couldn't read and write. But I'm assuming that that person, Noel or Noel, um, Botham, had time to do the research, right, and, and and go reference, like, libraries, maybe, and books yeah, to do, do the research on their facts, right? And unfortunately, all I have, or all I had time for was the internet, the, yeah. right? And so I didn't find that information, but I'm not saying that they're incorrect at it's all. Just, if, they're, uh, if it's wrong, it's kind of like... And yeah. I don't think it's wrong. I think I just honestly didn't have the time to delve far enough in to find it, so... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he, he used his seal. To sign it. To sign it on June 15th, 1512. Or, sorry, 1215. <laughs> Dyslexic a little, hey? <laughs> um, and he did this under threat of civil war. Is oh. the reason why he signed it, right? So, it was actually reissued three separate times. Yeah. So, in 1216, 1217, and 1225 with alterations to, made to it. Right. Now, I also went to bbc.co.uk okay. for some more information. 
And technically, the seal acts as a signature. That is his signature. Oh, okay. So, it says in the Oxford... Wow. Oxford? Dang, yeah, the Oxford. I don't know what that was. <laughs> English is hard. Oh, good boy. Yeah, it is. Um, Oxford Dictionary. That to sign, so the verb to sign, right? Yeah. Can be with a seal. I didn't write the exact definition down because, honestly, if you wanted to go read the article... Yeah. You could, right? You just look up Magna Carta and then... Like King John and the Magna Carta. Yeah. It'll pop up. Right. So, but the first use of that verb being used like this was King John's son, Henry the Second. Yeah. No, Henry the Third. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think. Come on, I'm... you're the one that's supposed to know all about the monarchies <laughs> and stuff. Well, when you get that far back, I don't know quite as much as yeah, the, going the, forward. The details get a little fuzzy. Yeah, there's a lot. But King Henry the Third. Um, and he, he was quoted as saying that it was signed with our seal, but not in English, (laughs) in a different language, but it was translated to signed with our seal. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Also, I was just thinking it was like, uh, because you were saying that he originated from Germany or. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, so he doesn't really, I mean, even if he does, if he did learn how to speak English, he probably didn't wasn't very proficient with it. Mm-hmm. And so trying to read the language, probably there were some things that just didn't quite make sense to him. Yeah. It's like trying to read French for us. It's like, we can understand a few things. We've grown up enough with it that we kind of understand a few details. Yeah. But if, if you tried to read a novel in, written in French... I would have a difficult time. We would, yeah. It's like, okay, we have to look up what certain words mean and how this translates because, like, yeah, some things just aren't connecting. Exactly. So... It also said in this BBC article that other medieval monarchs used seals as well. Right? So that might have also just been a thing of the time. Yeah. And it, maybe it was something that they did because they couldn't read and write. Because they didn't have an education system. Right? Yeah. So. Also, I feel like the seal thing might also be a bit of a scapegoat in a way. Because it's like, oh, people didn't like it. Well, it's like, well, somebody stole my seal. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I didn't agree to this BS. Who? Why are you putting words in my mouth? <laughs> exactly, right? Maybe that's... Oh, I was just going to make a funny dad joke. I'm not going to make it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so, in 2015... Yeah. On the 800, 800th anniversary of the signing of the Magna Carta... Okay. The Royal Mint for, like, the UK... Yeah. Um, issued... Well... They were criticized when they made a two-pound coin. Right. That's the, a heavy coin. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. I mean, two pounds is in the pound dollar. Yeah, as uh, the currency. Yeah, that's what I meant. The pound <laughs> dollar doesn't make sense. No. That doesn't, that's not how money works. He's like, what, you just pound a dollar? like. Could you imagine if every time you pounded something, a dollar appeared? People were like... Inflation! Inflation! Yeah, people are like, hey, where'd you get, like, that $600 worth of uh, money? And you're like, oh, that's pound money. And they're like, oh, ah, yeah. I gotta get on pounding myself some money out. 
<laughs> tonight when I get home. But yeah, so um, they made this this coin, this two pound coin. Yeah. Showing King John with a quill in one hand and the Magna Carta in the other. Ah, I see. And people were like, "Why are you making these, like, schoolhouse mistakes? What is this? That's not what happened. That's not how it was. How it went down? What are you doing?" He's like, yeah, give him a big old stamp in one hand and the paper in the other. Yeah, and they literally, the mint said it wasn't meant to be a literal. But, like, I don't if understand. If you're going to be a country's currency, don't you think you want to be, I don't know, if not accurate, you know, maybe have something more meaningful? Like, maybe have the declaration or proclamation, uh, what, what was it called again? The proclamation. Proclamation, have that. But that's U.S. And, or what was it called again? The Magna Carta. Have, the Magna Carta, yeah. Have the Magna Carta, you know, on the thing with the actual stamp, kind of like you know, just yeah. a little like image I mean, of that. You had your artist make the quill, just have them make the stamp instead, right? Exactly. It's like it's a minor tweak that is like you it's, think somebody along the the line would have said, "Hmm, you know, that's not accurate. Maybe we should." Tweak it. Not scrap it. Just tweak. Yeah, it would literally be like if they put Queen Elizabeth I on all our money right now. Yeah, it's like, um... But she's not a reigning monarch. She was a monarch. She was, but... Not now. That's Queen Elizabeth II. I was going to say no relation, but then I realized there's probably somewhere in the bloodline relation somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. So, anyway. we're just, yeah, we're just going to move on from that <laughs> yeah. before, before we... Before I it. put my foot in my mouth. Hey, it's not me for once. Mm-hmm. So, this next fact, yep. I could literally find zero information on. Really? But, again, I believe it's true because I did, I didn't, I found many articles that referenced this fact. Okay. But nothing that gave me any more information about this fact, if that makes sense. It was referenced, but there was no more information about it, which was one of Napoleon's drinking cups. So Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. One of his drinking cups was made from the skull of a famous Italian adventurer whose name I'm probably going to pronounce wrong because <laughs> I suck at language and especially language that isn't. I mean, I suck at my own language. Then you try to say someone else's name that's, like, in Spanish or Italian. Italian, yeah. But I'm going to try. So if I butcher this name, I apologize sincerely. It is not meant. Uh, Calostro. Can I see it? Right there. Calostro, right? No, I think the G is silent. Oh. Oh, like... Calostro. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) I uh, had a little flam or something there. I was trying to throw in the, the Italian accent. Uh, Calastro. Okay, we'll go with that. I so. mean, <clears throat> I know my Italian uh, accent is very poor, to put it, uh, uh, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. You did all right. You know, definitely, I think uh, I might have a better chance if I was trying to do maybe like a British or Irish accent kind of thing. Yeah, you did all right, though. High five. Yeah, high five for trying. Exactly. So, okay, so because I couldn't find any more information, 
be honest. I thought we would just muse about it, maybe. So, why... Okay. Okay. Why? Why would you want to drink out of a skull? Like, was this an enemy of yours? It just says that he was an Italian adventurer. It doesn't say that he was a part of a war effort against Napoleon. Right? <clears throat> why? I mean, okay, so every time I've ever heard someone reference, you know, drink from the skull of my enemy kind of thing or something like that, it's usually more of a reference to be like the whole, I am so much greater than you that I will use your remains to drink my wine or meat or whatever. All right, so you're about to learn that me and um, Howard Hughes had something in common. What's that? We're both germaphobes. I kind of left that out, but it was in the research, but I didn't think it was important. It is now important. That is, if nothing else, first off, it's just wrong. It's just weird. <laughs> Don't drink out of people's skulls. It's not okay. Um, but. Use your words. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to formulate my thought here. Here we go. Back. Form formulate? Formulate. You know, when I get excited, my words are weird. You know that. It's okay. You guys all learn. It's formulate. fine. <laughs> I gotta use that one next time. I'm trying to formulate a sentence. <laughs> that's that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to formulate it. God. No. Um. Okay. So. Have you formulated it? Yes. <laughs> okay. Your mocking me has helped. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, hey, no problem. I can rant and banter on about nothing for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. You gotta think about the time when Napoleon Bonaparte was alive. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure disinfectants did not exist. So are you telling me that you are taking an undisinfected skull and drinking out of it? That is dangerous. Okay, so let's go with the hypothetical. So I think I'm picturing here exactly what you're saying. So... Like, first off, it's just wrong. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, you know, to some people, yes, it's wrong. To some people, it shows how you are the superior warrior, whatever kind of thing. Let's, you know, not delve too much into that. Right. The other thing is, is that the anatomy that I understand of the skull is that for the spinal cord to go from the brain down the spine and everything, there is an opening, you mm -hmm. know, that allows all the, you know, things to connect and send the, elect the electron signals down your spinal cord and make everything work from, you know, your mouth move, your heart beats, yeah. your toes wiggle. it does everything, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, to have been, since all skull cups are usually that I've ever seen depicted, are the heads are right side up. You don't hold a skull upside down and drink out of it. Right. So that means that some welder or carpenter or somebody had to clog up the bottom of the hole in the skull, which means that they had to take off the top of the skull, scoop everything out and everything, blah, 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 and, you know, make it so that a wood handle or a metal handle or something like that would, you know, make a, a handle type thing that keeps the thing upright so when you put liquid into it it doesn't tip over or something mm -hmm. so in order for them to do that they have to clear it all out no i'm not saying that they're like leaving 
any gray matter in there. Yeah. I'm saying, though, once they've removed everything... Yeah. It's not been disinfected. Are they boiling these first? Are they... Like, aside from that, I don't see how they back then could have disinfected it. You know, maybe they did, because I know some hunters, they'll, when they go to hang antlers and stuff, they'll uh, put the deer's head into, like, boiling water for hours kind of thing. Well... Yeah, but then you, they have the rest of the deer, you know, use it for meat. Yeah, they meat. use it for meat, and they use all the parts. So it's just kind of so. like the skulls, like, not really a very meaty thing and stuff. Yeah. So, anyways, but moving on from that topic, so it's like, I can imagine that, so, the, you know, they boil it, so this way everything comes off easy and blah, blah, blah. Then the other thing is, is that, so if you've got a blacksmith who's putting in this scolding hot metal to, you know, form the whole handle thing or whatever... That heat is probably also going to kill any germs or whatever. That's true. I was and just... this is the other thing. I know you're a germaphobe, but here's the funny thing about the immune system. It is always working to keep you healthy and safe from anything. And people back in those days, <clears throat> with all the stuff that they did, they didn't have soaps very much yeah. or they didn't have disinfectants like we do nowadays. So I can imagine their immune system was probably pretty aggressive. I mean, it was okay, but you still had, like, I mean, I don't know if this oh. was in the same time period, but you still had, like, things like Black Plague, you still have things like, you know, typhoid fever, those kind of things, right? So, I mean, the immune system was probably good, but, I mean, there were still things that were coming in, yeah. knocking it out, right? So. And then, of course, there's the other fact about the alcohol itself. Yeah, I guess the alcohol itself. I... Don't know why I was... I was thinking he was drinking chocolate milk out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was not thinking that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I have got to go to a store and find a place that has one of those ceramic skulls and be like, here's your chalky milk glass. <laughs> oh. No, he literally literally said drinking wine out of. So it's no, like, I didn't. No, it didn't. Didn't you say wine? No, just one of his cups was made. From the skull. It didn't say what he was drinking out of it. Well... So I just assumed he was drinking his chalky milk out of it. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah, usually that's... Like, that, that's another thing that I've seen or heard of where it's, like, using the skull glass type thing is for the whole purpose of, like, you're celebrating victory with your comrades and so <laughs> you use wine or mead or some kind of alcohol into it which, I mean, alcohol is a poison, but it's also a disinfectant if it's strong enough. Which, wine can be a little on the lower side, mead, depending on, but, you know, who knows how strong wine was back then. Nowadays, right. it's all regulated and stuff, so this way you don't get... Too drunk. Well, yeah, you don't get too drunk. You don't get stuff that's so potent that, you know... You die. Well, yeah, so... Um, but I literally didn't even... I'm not even kidding you. This is, like, where my brain went. It didn't go to the talking milk. That was a joke. But <laughs> I didn't even consider that he was drinking alcohol out of the skull. I just assumed it was just, I, I don't know what, tea? I, I don't know. <laughs> Water? Like, I don't know what, I, but alcohol was not good. A drink? I didn't consider the drink, to be honest with you. But as soon as you said alcohol, I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably what he was drinking out of it. Oh, jeez. <sighs> now, now I think I got another little nickname for you, tea for brains. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and moving on. Okay, so what's uh, the next thing on the list? Okay, so the fifth one, which is the... I have two more. Um, 
But the fifth one is the last one from the book. Okay. Yeah. Which is, the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood is apparently haunted by the ghost of Marilyn Monroe. Okay, I know where my next vacation is going to be. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, like, Marilyn Monroe, oh, what a beautiful woman. And, she was very beautiful. And if she haunts me by wearing that white dress and having the train air gust up the dress and she does the hands down kind of thing, I'd be like, I believe in ghosts now and it was wonderful. <laughs> You're silly. Um. <laughs> but of course I'll feel like I wasted a lot of money if ghosts aren't real like I've been telling you for how long. <laughs> well, it's not quite the ghosts that people have seen, but, or at least the image of her that they've seen, so... Maybe you'll luck out, but maybe not. Oh, no, no, no. <clears throat> if I saw her, I would literally look at her and be like, Hey, Monroe, the fuck? Come on. I, I paid good money to come here. I came specifically <laughs> to see you because I am a fan of like the music you've done, the movies you've been in. Yeah. I want to see the iconic moment. I don't care what happens afterwards. You can haunt my ass for the rest of my days. <laughs> I just want to see this. And then, of course, you know, when I fly back up to Canada, it's like the whole... I don't know if ghosts have airlines or what uh, subways they take or, you know, however ghosts get around, if they get around, which, as far as I know, they don't. It's like, yeah, you know, come back and be like, hey, babe, I saw Marilyn Monroe. And I talked to that, you know, I talked to that ghost woman, you know, blah, 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 and told her she has to wear the white dress and the whole train <laughs> skirt thing and blah, blah, blah. And she did it. That or I'll be disappointed and go, hmm, what a waste of a trip. All pouty for a month. You know, small goals. Exactly. Nothing big. <laughs> Nothing big. So, I looked up some more information. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I couldn't find a lot about the actual haunting. So, I just looked up some more information about Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Because I thought, eh, that'd be nice, right? Get a little bit more information about her. So, I went to biography.com. Right. Okay. And that's like a subsidiary of like Aiden Television. It said it was, like, distributed by them or whatever. Okay. So, they used to have a biography show mm -hmm. on there. I'm assuming that's kind of where this comes from. So, um, she was born in June, on June 1st of 1926 in Los Angeles. And her original name was Norma Jean Mortensen. But she was baptized Norma Jean Baker. Hmm. So she spent much of her childhood in foster care and in an orphanage. When she was seven, she was sexually assaulted and she was raped at the age of 11. Ooh. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. <clears throat> when she was 11, her mother paid $25 for a family friend and her husband to take care of her. And that was okay for a while until the husband got transferred to the East Coast. Of the United States, and they couldn't afford to take her with us. What, it's just that small little trip from east to west coast? Yeah. So, unfortunately, she ended up back in, like, foster care and stuff, right? So she dropped out of school at 15. She got married at 16 for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Now, in adulthood, yeah. apparently, I don't know when in her adulthood, it didn't say, but... Yeah. She said her earliest memory of her mom was her mom trying to smother her. Oh. Yeah. So, that's the childhood of 
Marilyn Monroe, a.k.a. Norma Jean Baker, a.k.a. Norma Jean Mortensen. And that's horrible. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, everyone has a past, but that's pretty... It's it's rough. That's yeah. rough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I would, don't wish it on her. I wish she had a different upbringing. Um, but by 1946, she had made a career as a model. Uh, she was signing her first movie contract. Mm-hmm. She started going by Marilyn Monroe. She dyed her hair blonde. Right. She divorced her first husband. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so she had two other husbands after that, and they all ended in divorce. So she was married to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. For like a hot minute. And then they divorced. And then she ended up marrying, I don't know if you know who this is, Arthur Miller. The name sounds familiar. He was like a playwright, I believe. Like he wrote um, Death of a Salesman, I think. Oh, okay. Not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure we did a Death of a Salesman thing in school, and I'm pretty sure Arthur Miller... He either was the playwright on it or he, like, directed the movie or something. But that's where uh, that name... Sounds familiar? Yeah, it's definitely something to do with Death of a Salesman. So, uh, but those also... That one also ended in a divorce. Although that was her longer longest marriage was with Arthur Miller. Hmm. So... Did she ever uh, have any kids? No. Oh, okay. She never had any kids. Um, it was rumored that she was having an affair with JFK. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that one. Yeah. <clears throat> so, she died August 5th of 1962. She was 36 years old. Uh, and she died in Los Angeles. She didn't, she died in her home. So, she didn't die at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is kind of weird that she would then be haunting it. Because I feel like if she died in her home, she'd be haunting her home. Yeah. But maybe she had a lot of fond memories of the Roosevelt Hotel, and that's where her ghost goes, right? Yeah. <clears throat> See, that's the thing, is that... Um, what I've learned from Supernatural, which is based on, uh, a lot of real world ghost lore and everything, Mm -hmm. is that, uh, ghosts will haunt the place that they die or wherever their earthly remains are if they're not buried, you know, in a grave. She's buried in a cemetery. Actually, her second husband, Mm -hmm. Joe DiMaggio, used to... I'd have to look it up to make sure I'm, like, 100% accurate on this, on this, but I know it was either every year on the anniversary of her death, or it was, like, every week. I think it was every week. He would have roses delivered to her grave. That was... Until really... his death. Because <clears throat> he, he never... I mean, he loved her. He didn't want to divorce my understanding of their relationship, and now I'm just going off of memory of things that I've read and and whatnot and a couple films I've seen about her but um so the information might be just a little inaccurate yeah um because again I'm going off memory and well you guys I couldn't even think that Napoleon was drinking alcohol so I mean come on now you know where (laughs) my brain's at but um he didn't want to get divorced but there were rumors of infidelity I think on both sides if I remember correctly he was kind of abusive I don't know if it was physically abusive or like, I don't remember if it was physically abusive or, like, mentally and emotionally abusive, but he was he was very hard on her if it wasn't abusive. And she had a drug problem, right? She had issues. I mean, 
it was the way things were in Hollywood back then. They gave actresses and whatnot uppers so that they could perform and then downers so they could sleep, right? And these were really addictive drugs that these studios were giving them. Yeah, like Judy Garland. Did yeah. she have a drug problem? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for those who don't know, Judy Garland played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Sure did. Yeah. We'll be doing an episode on her. I actually have a book her, one of her daughters wrote that I'm just working my way through, and then we'll be doing an episode on Judy Garland because yes. I love her. Nice. Um, But, yeah, so when she died, there was an empty bottle of sleeping pills found by her bed. Mm. Two, right? And they actually think it was most likely an accidental overdose. Mm. Which, again, same as Judy Garland, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's the facts about Marilyn Monroe. But all I could really find about... Oh, actually, no. This is a neat thing. And then I'll tell you what I could find about the Roosevelt Hotel haunting thing. Um, So, when she died, one of the... She didn't have a lot of possessions left. Yeah. But one of the prized possessions that she had was actually an autographed photo of Albert Einstein. Really? Yeah. And it said, quote, To Marilyn, with respect and love and thanks. So, yeah. I mean, damn, she was friends with Albert Einstein. Like, go girl. Yeah. Quick little uh, <clears throat> fun fact about Albert Einstein. Like, how he um, fig- like did a whole bunch of like studies on relativity and yeah. everything like that. Um, as smart as he was, apparently in the uh, whatever facility that he worked at, or whatever institute that he was working in, mm-hmm. he could not remember what office was his, they actually painted his door red. Oh, wow. <laughs> Albert Einstein couldn't remember his own phone number. Back in those days when it was like, yeah, you memorized your number, your friend's number, your parent's number, your blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, he couldn't remember his own phone number because his uh, reason being was that he doesn't know like how to, like, how to like people's numbers because he has a phone book. He knows how to look them up. Mm, that's fair. So it's like, yeah, it's like, so his brain was actually like, oh, it's more important to understand gravity and all like these atoms and particles that are working in space. Like, he wasn't using a computer, or at least not a, I don't think they had computers back then or anything. They, I mean, they Calculators did. and stuff. No, but, they had computers back then. Yeah, yeah, but not like anything like what we have. Could you imagine what Albert Einstein could have done if we oh, had yeah. a computer now, like what we have nowadays? Yeah, I'm just thinking of the Enigma machine, though. Like, they had that kind of stuff during yeah, World War II, so they had some sort of computers. Yeah, that thing was also the size of a truck. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, But nowadays, it's like our cell phones could, you know, do what the Enigma machine was able to do in no time flat. Yeah. But it's just funny, it's like someone who's so smart like Albert Einstein, and yet those little things were... Yeah, and it's just, I never knew he... Uh... Ever had, he never, I never knew he had contact with Marilyn Monroe or had signed an autograph picture to her and everything. Yeah, it's really neat, right? Yeah. So, um, what I was able to find on the haunting at the Roosevelt Hotel was that, yeah, she had stayed at the Roosevelt Hotel before, obviously. Yeah. And that it's reported that cold spots, orbs, and mysterious phone calls to the hotel operators are what are kind of the ghostly happenings there as well as they believe there are other ghosts haunting it not just Marilyn Monroe so weird because I'm just thinking uh but do they know it's Marilyn Monroe or yeah because of the orbs and the ghostly calls and whatnot I don't know I couldn't find much information 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Again, like I said, next vacation, going to the Roosevelt and gonna go find that Marilyn Monroe and be like, hey, look, I know you had it really rough and everything, but please, just, just one request, can you do that? you know, song with the train and everything, because that was such a good song, and it would be so awesome to see kind of thing. Then, yeah. You keep saying train, but I think there was a train parked behind her, but she was standing over a steam grate or whatever. Yeah, but as the trains go by, it rushes the air up. Oh. That's what blew her skirt up. Oh, okay. I thought it was just them releasing, like, air or whatever, like... (laughs) I don't know how things work. Don't... Physics, it's complicated. Ignore me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you tea for brains. <laughs> All right, so this is my last and probably one of the most brutal on the list of facts. Oh, joy. And this doesn't come from any one specific place. Okay. I've heard it. I listen to true crime doc- or, uh, podcasts. I've watched true crime documentaries. Like, I know we've been over that before, so I'm not going to go too much into it. I've heard the story a few times. Okay. But I did reference, um, I did reference an ABC article mm-hmm. on it. So, the fact is, on December 4th, 1972, no, that's not the fact, sorry. <laughs> the fact is, Corey Steiner killed four innocent women in Yosemite National Park because he was jealous of his brother Stephen Steiner's fame. Really? Yeah. Of all the reasons to murder. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously a fucked up individual to begin with. Just to... that That's where his brain went. But you'll see why I say that he killed him out of jealousy. Like, or killed these four ladies. Well, yeah, four women. two children. Oh. Four late. Four. Sorry. Two children, two women. Um, out of jealousy. Because... There's actually something at the end of it that basically alludes to that. So, on December 4th, 1972, and... Hold on a second. Where did I write down? Quite the uh, filled-up notepad you have there. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, My notes are a little messy because that's how my brain is. (laughs) What was that word we were using earlier have you formulated your words and you were saying... Oh, I form, formulated. Formulated. Formulated, yeah. Did I formulate my... Um, okay, so apparently I didn't write down what my thing was, so hold on two seconds. Okay, I got it. Sorry, I forgot to write it down, but it was right there. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry guys, it uh, took a while to look that up and everything. I went for a quick power nap. <laughs> You're funny. So, <laughs> the uh, info that I got, just like, I mean, I knew a bunch of it, but like some of the more in-depth info that I got was from this uh, article from abcnews.go.com, and it was called Stephen and Carrie Stainer, The Tale of Two, Two Brothers Horror and Heroism, and it was by Ali Yang, Joseph Ree, and Karen Schiffman. Okay. Okay. So on December 4th, 1972, seven-year-old Stephen Stainer was abducted by Kenneth Purnell and Irvin Murphy while walking home on Highway 140 from school in, I think it's pronounced Merced, California. Okay. And there was a large searching for them, but like 
for him, but they didn't find anything. Like, nothing was found. Right. Okay. So, Corey, sorry, Carrie, um, Stephen's older brother, he was super upset when Stephen went missing. Yeah. Right. And it was even reported by one of their friends that, like, Carrie would hang out with Stephen, he would look after him, and he, he would even go outside and wish on a shooting star, or wish on a star that Stephen would come back. Yeah. Right. Kenneth Parnell kept Stephen for seven years. Oh. Yes. Alive. Yes. So he would pretty much during the day pretend to be Stephen's dad. Yeah. He actually even changed his name to Dennis. Dennis Parnell. Oh, okay. And enrolled him in school. Hmm. So they looked like a family. And then at night, this fucking shit stain. Yeah. Would molest him. Oh. And rape him. Yeah, so, if it wasn't said already, I mean, trigger warning. Yeah, that's why I trigger <laughs> warning this, guys. It's... It's pretty gruesome. It's pretty gruesome. Um, so, at one point, because he was kept for seven years, so from the age of seven to 14, right, he was held captive. Yeah. At one point, when he was in high school, he had a girlfriend. Stephen had a girlfriend. Oh. Right? Yeah. And stuff. Like, he was trying to live, I guess, the most normal life that he could, right? Yeah. So he was 300 miles south of Merced. This is where he was being held, right? Yeah. And he was a freshman. Well, Carrie was an upperclassman. Now, I don't know how that works in the U.S., so I don't... He was four years older, though, so I'm feeling like if Stephen was a freshman, I think that's, like, grade nine here. Uh, something around there. So then Carrie was probably in grade 12. That was my guess. Well, so she was four years older, are you saying? Car- Carrie, he was four years older. Yeah. Yeah, than Stephen. Okay. So. Probably like. Grade 12. Grade 12 and grade 8. Something around well, there. Well, it said high school, but I don't know where their high school starts. So maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just my guess. Like, again, the American, um education system versus the Canadian one. It's a bit different. Yeah, they're a little different. So there was this stigma that kind of hung over Carrie, though. And it was like that stigma of like, oh, that's the kid whose brother was kidnapped, right? Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, like, people gossip and rumor. Yeah, and stuff, right? And so, like, one of the things, too, was that he was always... Seen wearing, like, a hat, like a baseball cap or whatever. Because if he wasn't wearing a hat, he would pull his hair out, like, compulsively. Oh. All the stress and everything. Yeah, he was emotionally unstable, too. Even to the point where he, like, exposed his genitals to, like, his sister's friends. Oh. Because they had two sisters as well, right? Mm. So in 1980, Parnell abducted a new boy. Right. Yeah. Because Stephen, he'd had Stephen for seven years. So he wasn't prepubescent anymore. He's now a teenager. A teenager. He's 14. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so he's like aging, for lack of a better term, he's like aging out, right? He's no longer what In Parnell. His, yeah, sick fetish type. What he left. wants. Yeah. Like his disgustingness. But yeah. 
So Stephen was getting too old. So it was five-year-old Timothy White, who was also walking home from school, that Parnell took the stand. Oh. So two weeks later, so two weeks after Timothy was abducted, Stephen waited until Parnell was at work and fled with Timothy. Because he was unable to let him go through what he had gone through, what Stephen had gone through. So he was like, I can't watch this. I can't let another kid go through this. Right? Yeah. I'm taking him and we're going. Which, I mean, that's something to be commended because it's like it's bad enough like when someone goes through something, but it's like it's a whole different thing to like actually be like, okay, well, it's bad enough what I went through. I didn't have the ability to say no or whatever kind of thing. But, but to I, see it happen and be able to like intervene, yeah, that's like you know a real big sign of like some good character in that regards. Absolutely right, and to think too, you have to wonder how terrified Stephen must have been because he's a fourteen-year-old child, right, who is seeing this other child, and he and he's like, I'm I know what I went through, yeah, I know how horrible it was. It scarred me for life. It scarred me for life. And it scarred him enough because a lot of times when people are held, there's something called like Stockholm Syndrome where like, and I mean, you do what you have to do to survive, right? Yeah. So it, you, like it's been seen in other cases, right? Where they don't leave. They don't (laughs) try to escape. Yeah, because if they fail, then things get really bad. Not only that, but it's like, they're almost, it, it almost isn't something that a victim of, who's being held like that for that amount of time would think of doing because by this time, it's like they've almost been brainwashed to the point where leaving isn't an option. They just don't think of it. Yeah. That was like <clears throat> beaten out of them or, you know, whatever, right? So they don't think of it. And the sheer fact that after seven years of being this man's prisoner, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Seeing another child in distress, he was like, "Uh uh-uh. Ain't happening. Fuck this shit, we're out. Yeah. Right. And stuff. So they went back to the town that Timothy was from. Okay. But Timothy couldn't remember where he lived. Oh. So, Stephen was like, well, that's fine. We'll just go to the police station then. Yeah. But at least we're in the right town. And Stephen at least knew they were in the right town because he, I mean, he was with, I don't know if he was actually physically with him or I'm sure he could, like, he was able to watch TV and stuff, so I'm sure he saw it anyway. But he knew that that's where Timothy was from. Yeah. Right. So he told the police, I know my first name is Stephen. That's a quote. Quote, I know my first name is Stephen. Yeah. Unquote. Right. Which later became the name of a book and a television movie about Stephen's story. Oh. Oh, yeah. So he was a hero. He was a national hero. Like, people were... And rightfully so. He fucking saved a five-year-old little boy from going through hell or who knows, maybe this time... Saved him from a monster. Right, exactly. Saved him from a fucking disgusting 
deserves to be in the ground monster. Yeah. Rain. Um, <clears throat> and, like, he was, he ended up on Good Morning America being oh. interviewed. Right? Wow. And he said, like, things like, I mean, he was happy to be home. He said his parents hadn't changed very much, but his siblings had. Oh, yeah. Like, he wouldn't have recognized his siblings walking down the street. Mm. Right. So, also, in a press conference shortly after Stephen was saved or saved himself and Timothy Ann was brought back home, right, everyone is seen as being happy in it. Yeah. And smiling. Except Carrie. He's in his baseball cap, and he's not happy. Oh. He's not smiling. See, again, Stephen was, like, they were they were four years apart. Um, they shared a room, but they didn't get along. Right? Okay. Like, Stephen was getting all the attention. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. I don't ever think that the, the Stainer parents were like, fuck the rest of you, Stephen's back. But, like, their child that was missing for seven years. Yeah. Was back. Yeah. And had somehow dealt with what had happened with him pretty fucking well. A lot better than I think most people would have. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, and stuff. And they were happy. I mean, they were happy to have their son back. And I know, like, if, heaven forbid, my brother had ever gone missing. And then seven years later showed up. This is just me. I don't necessarily... I would not be jealous. I would not be like, how dare they give him all this attention? I'd be like, John, want to go do this? John, want to go do that? Oh, John, my big brother's back. We got seven years to catch up on. Yeah, like, my big brother's back. Because my big brother did what most big brothers would do and what, before this happened, Carrie did, which was look out for their younger sibling. Yeah. Play with their younger sibling. My brother did that. Yeah. Right? We used to have, like, water fights and water gun fights and play in the sprinkler and do all that stuff. I mean, not all the time. Because he was older, and I'm sure yeah, there were times he didn't want his little shitty sister around. <laughs> but, you know, and stuff. So it's very strange to me that he would be not happy to have his brother back, right? But he wasn't because Stephen was getting all the attention. Also, Stephen didn't really understand the rules coming back home, right? And I... It was just something that was mentioned in the article, so it's like, I don't think, like, he wasn't stupid, but I think he had a hard time adjusting, is what it's trying to say. Especially after what he'd just been through. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was one of those situations where it's like, I mean, he's had seven years of used to dealing with this kind of shit show hell. And being essentially a single child. Yeah. And now he's coming to a household with three siblings, parents who love him, but are going to have rules for him. Right. And who were maybe a little, after that, a little overprotective. Who knows, right? Don't blame the parents for being overprotective after your child was abducted, right? Yeah. So, Kenneth Parnell was convicted of kidnapping and false imprisonment. 
Guess how much he received. Guess how much time he received in jail. Five years. It was seven years. Oh. But he only served five. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, especially when <laughs> he ended up kidnapping another kid when he got out. So when he was caught, he was sent back to jail. Or prison. I guess jail and prison are different in the U.S. So prison. He was sent back to prison. He died in 2008. Good. <laughs> I was like, was that a long time after? or? I don't know. It actually didn't say when, when he, went... he abducted that child again. Or like a new... After he got out of prison the first time and abducted. It didn't say when that was. Yeah. Right. And it didn't say when he was caught or anything. But... He died in 2008. Oh, okay. I hope he's enjoying hell. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the pitchforks up his ass are feeling wonderful. Good. <laughs> um, so Stephen's fame was short-lived, though. Right? Yeah. Because he grew up. He grew up. He started a family. He had two children, you know. Yeah, he was living life again. Yeah, he was living life again. And, and his wife says, you know, that he was a well-rounded person considering what had happened to him oh right. yeah now here's a really sad thing short um steven died mm. at the age of 24 <clears throat> oh that's bad in a motorcycle accident in 1989 uh, risky machines to ride they are but you know what I hope from 14 to 24, that 10 years, he just lived the fuck out of life. I bet he did. Especially, and I mean, that's, I mean, probably the reason why he was riding a motorbike, because he wanted to enjoy the ride and everything. And the freedom. Yeah. Right. So. But it's know. really super tragic, and. Yeah. Because he was a good person. Yeah. Right. So it's very sad. <laughs> so shortly after that. <clears throat> Their uncle was shot and killed as well. Oh. And uh, Carrie had lived with him when this happened. Okay. He had lived with the uncle. Yeah. Right. So he had some nervous breakdowns. And a friend of theirs even said one of it was violent. He was threatening to drive a truck through his employer's building, killing everyone. So that same friend told him to seek medical help. Yeah. Instead, he went to Yosemite National Park. Right. Yeah. So he goes to the National Park. Yeah. So he ends up being, he ends up getting a job. And he's employed by a lodge that's seven miles from the entrance of the park. Yeah. And this was in 1997. So, you know, a quick little walk. Yeah, quick little walk, nothing big. So two years later, in February of 1999, he talked his way into the room of Carol Sund. Because he worked there. Yeah. So he just, I don't know, probably knocked on the door and was like, hey, i got to fix something in your room or whatever, right? Yeah, and of course, if, like, you know, kind of living there, working there, whatever, it's like, probably said a few names. It's like, oh, yeah, that person, blah, 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 you okay? And... Yeah, right. So, she had her teenage daughter, Julie, yep. with her, 
as well as Julie's friend. Her name was uh, Sylvina Peloso. Okay. He sexually assaulted the children. And I will use the term children because they were under 18. They were fucking children. Yeah. Right? Um, it kind of bothers me when there are articles and, like, it's, you know, it'll say something like, oh, well, there were these teenage girls and then, oh, well, he sexually assaulted the women. They are not women. They are children. Yeah. They cannot vote. They, you know. Yeah, there's all kinds of things where it's so, like they need more experience in yeah, life. To... Absolutely. So they are children. Yeah. And he is a fucking Monster. disgusting human being. Yeah. Um, and then he murdered all three of them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it was weeks later when their bodies were found. Oh. Yeah. So, five months later in July. Okay. Yeah, because I was kind of curious. I was like, when you said the, the two girls, or the two kids, and uh, the mom. Yeah. I was like, um, but you said there was four. But, okay, keep yeah. going. Five months later. Well, first off, I should say that after the murder of the sons and <clears throat> Miss Peloso, he was questioned. Oh, so... But did. no red flags came up. Hmm. I don't fully understand that because, like, was it not on his record that he was exposing himself to his sister's friends? Like, was that just dealt with in-house? Because... Maybe. I can promise you, if we had a child that was doing that, I'd be okay with people pressing charges. You do that. I think, uh, you know, most people were like, oh, boys will be boys, and we'll discipline him and everything, and they're like, okay. Well, if it happens again, then we'll press charges. But the one-time thing, it was like, yeah, he's just some stupid teenage boy that doesn't understand, you know... The... The... Ramifications. Ramifications of what he's doing. I, I, I guess I, I can kind of see that, but I mean, still, that's like, to me, it would be a red flag if... Um, oh, definitely a yellow flag at the very least. Oh, no, red flag. Well, you know, I'm just thinking it's like those days. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, five months later... Yep. Carrie happened upon... A lady, I believe her name is pronounced Joey Armstrong. It was J-O-I-E. Okay. So I believe it's Joey. J-O-I-E? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So if I pronounce that wrong, I'm extremely sorry. But as far as I know, that's right. Yeah. She was a 26-year-old. Okay. He murdered her and decapitated her. A little aggressive? But... I heard, I'm pretty sure Morbid did an episode on this case. Okay. And I can almost, like, remember Ash and Elena saying that she fucking fought. Oh. Yeah, like, they had, I'm just, I mean, this is just some extra facts that I pulled, you know, and whatnot. This isn't, like, a full episode on this. But you should check out Morbid, Ash and Elena's episode on it, because... They go into much more detail. Yeah. <clears throat> and i sure I remember them saying that she fought hard. Okay. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember listening to it being like, 
fuck yeah. Like, I I know you didn't, unfortunately, like, she still lost her life. But, like. She, she didn't go down without a fight. You fucking fought. Like, good for, you know, you tried. I'm not that, I mean, some people can't try. Some people are, you know. But I'm just saying, like, I was like, oh. Having the ability to fight back, definitely. Is... Yes. If you're, you know, she was able to have the ability to fight back. And that was something that was within her personality and her strength. And so she did it. And so I was like, go, girl. You know, yeah. kind of thing, right? Oh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> But he, so Carrie lo- left a lot of evidence at this scene. Mm-hmm. Right. So he was picked up by police to be interviewed again. And he admitted to the first three murders and then to the murder of Joey um, Armstrong as well. Oh, okay. So while he was in jail or prison, yeah, he told an old friend who went to visit him to, quote, get a hold of producers in L.A. I want a movie of the week made about my story. And the friend went on to say, quote, there was a movie made about Stephen Stainer, and he wanted the same treatment. He wanted the world to take note, unquote. Yeah, that's uh, one of those cases where it's like, Oh, you know, just, there's no real nice way to say it or anything, but just because somebody else is getting some clout or fame or glory or whatever, doesn't mean that you should be angry about it, that kind of thing. It's like, hey, somebody got famous for doing something. This, yeah. Don't, yeah, it's like, it's not anything personal, like, you know. This shit stain was obviously fucked up to begin with. Yeah. Um, like we were talking about the whole, what was that, uh, the, the test for the psych, psychopathy? Oh, the hair test. Yeah, the hair test. It was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure maybe the hair, in the hair test, he probably would have had some things come up where it was like... Hey. Yeah, he may not have come up as a full psychopath, but I'm sure some of the questions that they asked on that, he would have... Triggered some triggered, kind of warnings. Yeah, and stuff. So he was sentenced to death in 2002. And he remains on death row. Carrie Stainer. Oh, he's still alive? Yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, because I'm pretty sure it was in California. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure they haven't executed anyone in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So he might end up just actually dying on death row before he's ever executed. I don't really know, because I don't know American politics well, so I don't know if there's, like, a moratorium on it, and they're just letting everybody stay on death row and die there, or if it was, like, a certain governor, and now they're, like, I have no idea. But I just know that there has not been a lot of executions in California recently, so. Yeah. So, Uh, those are the facts. (laughs) The, yeah, the dark semi-fun facts kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, there were some fun tidbits we had with that, and of course, you know, leaving on that note and everything, um, you know, obviously you needed the backstory to make that last one make sense with a lot of... Yeah, right. when you said that, you know, the Steve and, uh, or what was it? Uh, Carrie. Carrie was jealous of Steve's fame and killed four women. It was like, 
well, that's the fact. I mean, not sure if it's fun. And then it was like, okay, so what's the story behind it? Because I have no idea who these people are off the top of my head. So. Yeah. No, huh. definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys for, you know, hanging with us and going through all this stuff. It was a bit of a longer Fun Fact Friday, but... Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, we're like, uh, obviously, season two is, uh, for us anyways, is up or on the go. And we've got a lot of things that we've been talking about of what we want to do for future episodes. Yeah. And the idea of a guest uh, potentially soon with things opening up. Hopefully, but I mean... We'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. There's no promises because I know that we've mentioned in the past that we want to guess and it just hasn't worked out so far. Especially Personal with COVID. schedules, sh- uh, people that have, having restrictions and shutdowns and, you yeah. know, it's been, it's been a task, so we're not exactly holding their breath. But if we can and stuff, we definitely will. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. And just remember, no matter what your thing is or what you're into. At the end of the day, we're all just a little nerdy.